Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You know, when Bob Seger was singing about Hollywood Nights, I really think he was thinking about Mike Chappell's Evenings in Beach Grove. I think that was the message he was trying to relate to the listening audience. Chappie joins us now. You just went through like an hour of Colts conversation, 56th Street. What would you learn in those last 60 minutes, Chappie? What I learned is I, I hope Anthony Richardson can play football <laughs> because he 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 is he's got the personality and what you really look for this, this kid's going to be the face of the franchise and it, it, that encompasses a lot of things. Number one, being being able to play football, you know, being I'm not saying Peyton Manning, I'm not even saying Andrew Luck. But being a guy you can build around, win around, do special things, and part of that is interacting with the media. It, it does. I mean, it sounds overblown, but it, it's not. You, it's you, you, like I say, you're, you're the you're the face, and you're the in a lot of times the, the voice of the franchise. And you know, he starts off by saying, hey, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." Right. <laughs> and you know, and then he's and nah, I told my mom I was going to do that. Well, that's just it's just personality. And I'm sure to the casual fan, it doesn't mean squat. But I've been around enough to where we've had quarterbacks and, and players who who either weren't comfortable doing it, which is probably the case most of the time, or just didn't care uh, how they came across. And it's that's why when we've talked from the start about Richardson and how he, he's assuming – so much at a very what well, he just turned 21 at a young age and it takes a special person to be able to do that do that and we've seen again initially he's got that and now we'll see over the next that's what i'm writing about for tomorrow is or tonight is we'll find out in the next several months or a year or two whether this guy is a real deal but at least he's given us glimpses that he might be outside of football which is important as well absolutely and and again he's doing all the little things right but is the it is not it is, it is obviously the big thing when will is there anything that you've seen in in the limited time we get to watch in april may june that you go hey that impresses me or is there really anything that that is of tangible consequence that we get to see or does that not begin until really july and august I think in in late July and August, I really, what we've seen is what three is it three practices we've seen something like that. In, in the first one, he and Gardner Minshew really split time with the first unit. The next two practices, it was really Minshew and then uh, Richardson with the second group, and it, it, that, that's like one practice a week. They practice two or three times the rest of the week, and maybe maybe Richardson took more of those those weeks or those those games practices so we don't know in training camp we'll know we'll see if 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 this team really believes he's making the necessary progress development to toward maybe starting week one then he'll be taking 
you know, a, a good chunk of the number one reps, he has to. And I, I think he has to maybe regardless because you need to find out, you know, what you've got. But I think we'll see in camp how they break down the reps between he and Minshew because you've got you've got to get the rookie ready. You've got to I don't want to say accelerate, but maybe that's the word accelerate the development so you know. And I've said all along that I think he starts the opener unless he gives you reason to believe he's not ready. Uh, I, I just think he would really have to be behind because I'm convinced Minshew will be more ready. He's familiar with the offense. He's the, the four-year veteran. But Richardson is going to take you where you want to go eventually. Not this year, probably. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see in training camp, that's when we're going to see, you know, how they really view things. And what we've seen from Richardson on the field is what, what we expected. Some amazing throws, a strong arm, and some throws that don't go where they're supposed to. Well, that's that's – what was he in college? Fifty-three percent, right? Uh, so, so he, he, that will that has to come up. Obviously, what you want? Gosh, sixty-four, sixty-five percent. If you can, he might may not get there. But I, I think we've seen kind of what we expected. And boy, I tell you, firsthand, the kid's got a gun. Oh, you did a great job of trying to say, listen, let's let's not try to set the bar as Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. Uh, because again, those are those are the ridiculous recent examples of success we have had right. for Colts quarterbacks drafting the first round. I'm not going to ask you to compare Richardson to Luck or Manning. I'm going to have you compare Luck and Manning. How much of a better quarterback was Andrew Luck in his rookie year in 2012 than Peyton was in '98, or or was he really a better quarterback his rookie year versus Peyton's? It's a good question because Peyton's rookie year, he had a really good offense around him. I mean, goodness gracious, he had what, Marshall Falk? Right. <laughs> and Marvin and Marcus Pollard and all these guys. And he had a really good offensive line, but the, the offense was awful and they paid the price. Luck had, boy, Luck, and he was 3 and 13. Right. And remember, Luck was, what, 11 and 5? And gosh, I think he, he either set some kind of record or whatever with like seven or eight fourth quarter comebacks. And you just saw that he he was a level above and I don't know that he was but he I don't think he was better than Manning his, his rookie year it took Manning a little bit longer to it took about half of the season to really kind of get it I think and I've mentioned before that the Frisco game which was about mid-season he he was really on it and yep. from that point on he had it so you know how you anticipate Richardson where he needs to be, I don't know because they're, they're. It's totally unfair, even though he was a fourth overall pick. It's totally unfair to, to to use the bar for Manning and Luck with with this kid. Thir- thirteen games he played, thirteen games, and threw like three hundred and some passes in college. Well, that's that's nothing. So you know, I, I I I'm curious how he develops. I'm really curious how the team thinks he's developing to give people an idea peyton manning in in 1998 completion percentage 57 percent, 26 touchdowns 20 interceptions through for 3700 yards the game 20 20 touchdowns and 27 interceptions right it was 26 and 28 is what he had in year number one 28 because the 28 still is yep, the, is the, the, the rookie record that he hopes that somebody's gonna pass at some point in time yeah, Lo- and keep it and what i always tell people that those 13 losses 
those were more games than he lost in college and high school combined. Right, right. So that was foreign to him. And, and there were times you saw the, the losses really weighing on Peyton. Uh, I, I remember a game in Seattle where they were ahead, and then I think it was Ricky Waters just ran over him. And after the game, as players do, they kind of stand on the field with you know each team, and they sort of catch up with buddies. And I remember talking to Peyton in the locker room, and he was PO'd. He said, hey, he said, these guys need to get their asses in here and act like these losses hurt. Well, that, that was just the frustration of a rookie, and I understood it. But, you know, the, the fact that players chum around after a game had nothing to do with the fact that they didn't care about winning. They, they just weren't good enough. Uh, and, and another thing about Richardson is what's kind of what we've talked about is he said, you know, I know that I don't know everything. But, you know, he said, I, I know, I also know that I can't do the bare minimum. He understands that much is being not asked, but demanded of him. Uh, he, he, he can't come in here and just feel entitled. Hey, it was the fourth pick. I'm going to make $30-some million guaranteed. That, uh, I, I guess I could see some guys who aren't wired the right way have that approach. But you can't. If you're one of the really elite players, whatever your position, and 99.9% of the players are, that's what you want. You want a guy that's, you know, not necessarily first in the building and last out, but but along that line. And your quarterback has to be more. He just does. There's right or wrong. Everything that he does is scrutinized. And we'll overdo it in camp. We're all going to you know, chart his passes, what did he do 7-on-7, 11-on-11, and how does that compare to men's year? Because that's what we do. It's either that or stand there and talk to each other, and we, <laughs> we, do, we, we do need to pay attention. But but that that's where we are is how we're going to overanalyze how he does. It's hard to do in, 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 in OTAs because we only get that one day a week, and we'll have three days this week. Training camps, like I said, that's when you really get an idea of who's doing what there's, you know, there, there, there's, there's contact, you know, he's getting, he's not getting sacked, but he's getting jostled receivers are getting jostled. So that's when, that's when you really see where the team is coming together and more important how the quarterbacks coming together. We, we've, we've had a couple of camps where the quarterbacks were awful. Remember when Carson Wentz got the, the broken uh-huh. like the first day and we had to watch who was it? Uh, Jacob Eason and, I'm, I'm forgetting the uh, PJ. It was a Walker. Correct. It, was, it, would, it, would, it would have been uh, Ellinger that was a part of that group. And I'm trying to think of who the third. The third quarterback would have been Brett Hundley. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hundley. So it, it's you, you know that that's what we're going to see, and and you you can see in training camp if the quarterback is is doing things the right way. We're going to see that from Minshew. We will. Uh, again, I go back to the Manning and, and the luck years, and camp was just it, it just ran the right way with Peyton. You know, they the, like like Marvin Harrison used to say, you know, the ball never touched the touched the field because he was on target. The receivers did what they were supposed to. Not quite that level with luck, but you you just hope you can see the the growing and the development and the learning arc of, of Richardson going up. And he'll he'll have bad days. He will. This will be a decent defense. They're going to present problems. You know, like he told us today, I haven't seen things that I'm going to see at the NFL level. So 
he's got the right approach, and I'm looking forward to training camp to when you can really see maybe what this kid is. There are a few things that will top the level of conversation of a first-round quarterback taken when he, again, is going to be handed the game ball at some point, week one right. or soon after that. But losing a starting cornerback because of a gambling investigation uh, obviously can, can supersede that at least briefly. Um, I'll be blunt. I've been pleasantly surprised with how open and honest his teammates have been in terms of Isaiah Rogers in terms of talking about the story over the course of the last couple of weeks. I know Kenny Moore was speaking about it today. You've been around this league a a long time. Um, The Arch Leister stuff just predated you to some degree, at least (laughs) the the, the Baltimore version of it. But just kind of your thoughts watching this unfold over the course of the last eight or nine days. Very unfortunate. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for Isaiah Rogers. But only to a point. He, this is self-inflicted to the highest level. Uh, I, I, I really was was impressed by Kenny Moore, you know, embracing Isaiah Rogers. Not 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 the gambling part, part, but the person part. And he said, "Hey, you know, he's my brother." Well, you know, and, and you you embrace him, and you know, you know, we've got your back, and, and they want to see him get through this because. These guys form relationships that are going to far exceed their their football careers. But but but, but the cold fact is, he Richardson or uh, uh, Rogers probably will never play for the Colts again. A very real possibility, and there's a and there's the the, the possibility he may, he may never play again. Uh, again, betting is, is we can argue the right and wrong about gambling. These players know. I, I, they just know what they can and can't do. And at what level, you know, does a player one think he can he can bet from the locker room or the complex? Two, that he can bet on NFL games, and three, that he can bet on his own team. I mean, I, the, the the league really. I think they're going to bring the hammer down. They've already had, you know, the Calvin Ridley was 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 a year and. A couple of these, a couple that, that in in April, whatever, were I think one was or two were six games, and a couple of them were one years. I think this is going to be the indefinite suspension, with you know the possibility of banishment. I guess lifetime banishment. I don't know. It's betting on your own team is such a, a line that you cannot cross, and it's really so unfortunate. On a on a person on a personal level, because he's like 25, he just burned 2.7 million dollars that he was due this year, and with the talents that he's shown, if he played decent this year, he was going to get a good contract, if not from the Colts and somebody else, and that's generational, you know, security, and I think maybe that just shows you. The, the the lure of gambling and the high that it gives you. I've gambled before. I hung around with Robin Miller, you know. And so so I've gambled before, and when it gets to the point that you don't care who won it, did they cover? That that's when you got a problem. And uh, I, I feel for the kid, but doggone it, he brought this on himself. And you know, on, on the team level, it robs them of a of a potential starter and a great kick returner and they're going to have to sort of you know fill that gap at both spots and 
cornerback was was probably the one spot that you couldn't really afford to lose a potential starter. I'm not talking a, a front line major front line player like a JT or sure. you know like that. But but th- th- this is a, a, a young developing player, and it comes at a very bad situ- position with this team. No doubt about it. Chappie, as always, buddy, you're the best. I hope I see you out there the next couple of days. If not, I'll see you at training camp coming up in July. Always there. Thank you. You got it, buddy. Mike Chappell, kind enough to join us here. Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files. Um, Scott, you went way, way past fingers and toes to count NBA draft workouts for the Pacers. What is the running tote board up to now after today? Yeah, so another group of six, which is the traditional number, and we're at 60 players over 14 workouts that we know of with at least three more on the docket. All right, I was going to say, at least three more and and potentially more. Um, Why so many? I, I realize they have five picks, five out of 58. I get that. Why so many this time through? Yeah, I thought this was an important thing that I wanted to cover on, on FieldhouseFiles.com yesterday. I think, number one, yes, five picks. Um, the other big thing in all this is you're just capturing more data points. For for this draft, for summer league, for camp, when you can now, starting this upcoming season, have one more player up to 21 that you bring to camp. And then down the road, say, say a player just didn't pan out with a team, you have a long laundry list of info and intel and a binder full of info on a guy that maybe you give him a chance and the Pacers really like to find those guys that are misused or under underutilized in a situation and bring them this way um, and then you also have a G League team to fill out so you had Pacers or excuse me Matt Ant's general manager assistant general manager several coaches all in during these workouts um, trying to cover it in its entirety so there's a lot going on the number one thing is being the five picks but there's there's several other issues at hand all right so um i think most are in agreement the pacers aren't going to make five selections in this year's draft they're going to package some of those picks um whether that's trading for future years maybe trading one or two of those back-end picks for maybe a more veteran player we've seen those that that happened before uh when the pacers were in more of a win now mode thad young karis lavert kind of immediately come to mind do you see them doing something with the number seven pick right now great i do not i, I think they're very comfortable with a handful of guys that will uh, among them will be there uh, right there in that pack, anywhere, anyone from uh, the Cam Whitmores to Taylor Hendricks to Jarris Walker uh, to the Thompson Twins, I think there's there's going to be good value at that pick, whomever is available. That there's just not enough. What you're trying to decide here, if you're Kevin Pritchard, right, is is the what you're giving up or whatever it would take to give up to move up to really two. I think it would be if you move up to two to get Brandon Miller. Is that worth all the different things you have to give up? And I'm just not certain that that's the case right now. They do have additional picks. They do have a couple players um, that that you could expend and send elsewhere. Um, I, I also could wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe they acquire a wing leading up to the draft, and in doing so, what if you give up your first round pick next year or uh, a good pick that you have on your arsenal because next year. The, the consensus is it's not an, a very good draft. So maybe you keep two of your first-round picks this year, don't want one next year because you already have been six first-round picks over three years. At some point, you get, you got to narrow it down, add some veterans, and then go forward. So 
right now I think seven is where they'll stay. The name that I, I continue to see more than any other associated with the Pacers is Jarris Walker. And I mm-hmm. realize you're an NBA expert, not a college basketball expert, but he is one of the many cavalcade of stars that has been in here. Quick impressions on him when you saw him, talk to him, et cetera. Yeah, so he was one of the four players that have been through solo workouts. Taylor Hendricks was earlier in the day last week. So that was really interesting, I think, too, from the front office perspective, Rake, and the fact that they could see these two guys very much, uh, one of them should be available. And these could be the two they're deciding upon, work out within an hour or two of each other. Hendricks, a better shooter with Walker, who is currently my favorite at seven, uh, is a bigger body, a little bit thicker, an outstanding rebounder, decent shooter, versatile defender. Um, and, and among the characteristics that we know this Pacers team needs to improve upon, it starts with defense and goes to rebounding. And so Walker absolutely fits that bill. Uh, he played in an NBA pro-style system with Kelvin Sampson down in Houston, where he was not the first option. So, you know, he was like really like the third guy, which also demonstrates – um, you know, how he plays within a system and does his role, does the dirty work, uh, really good shot blocker as well. So he would fit the bill of what the Pacers really need, Rake, at that four spot. Again, Scott Agnes Fieldhouse files our guest, Greg Rakestraw, here on the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Something that, that, again, because we have been so focused as part of this building process, is on the number seven pick, on the overall number of draft picks, but one thing that I've pointed out the last couple of times I've been on, hey, uh, not only do the Pacers have room under the salary cap, they actually have a little, you know, a little room where they have to get to the salary floor. They are underneath that as of now. It's not a great free agent class. There's a player or two that can help you. How active on that front is Kevin Pritchard going to be? Yeah, and the one thing I do also want to highlight with that, and with the new CBA, one notable change is that you have to be above the salary floor before the season. Normally you could wait all the way till the end of this year. You could for this season, you could still be under right now and make a deal or two before the end of June to go above that salary floor. Now if you don't, the penalty is you play the, you pay the players on your current team. So it's not a huge thing, but there's no reason why you shouldn't. But to the bigger point, I think it's more likely that the Pacers um get involved like we were discussing with a trade to acquire more of a a ready-made player just because you look at the free agents out there and there's not too many names that are that excitable, whereas because of you have that cap space, the other thing the Pacers have to their arsenal is they could take on – they could one more time, I think, before you really make a push – towards being a contender, take on a bad contract or a guy that's getting overpaid slightly and use that to your advantage. A guy like Tobias Harris comes to mind in Philadelphia where I can't imagine the 76ers want to keep paying his $30-plus million salary. See what Harris looks in a new system, things get interesting. But in terms of a free agency, you can't really assess too much right now, Rick, because the Pacers don't have many roster spots. They have three free roster spots going into a draft where they have five. So they're going to have to clearly move bodies or um, work things around, maybe target a player or two. But right now, I'm not expecting a very busy free agency. Uh, I looked at, and again, if I'm wrong, if, I remember that the, the Karis LeVert trade for Thad Young was based on the number 20 pick, if I, if I remember right, some, somewhere around there. So if the mm-hmm. Pacers have 26, 29, and 32 realistically what would you get back for something like that or for 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 parts of that if you wanted to move off and saying hey listen we've already got 12 13 guys 
that are contract. Yeah. Most of them are young guys. We simply don't have room to fit everybody in. If you're trying to move those level of picks, what realistically would you get back for something like that? Yeah, I, I think one thing you could look at is what what Denver got involved with, and that's that was pushing it down the line in terms of uh, getting a, a couple seconds and a future first for trading uh, trading away a, few, a first this year. Um, the, the other thing in all this that comes to mind too is what what I could see more likely than anything right here is you try to get involved with one of those wings. Um, you try to get Bridges. You try to get OG. You're trying, even if they're not willing um, on the other side to partake in that, but maybe you give two or three of these picks up plus a player or two on your roster, and maybe that would be enough to sweeten the pot for one of these elite wings for the teams to move on from them. And and by the way, Cam Johnson, that'd be another uh, guy that I know is going to be in free agency that a lot of different teams are, are after. But realistically, I think if you don't complete a, a bigger deal, which I think would be their goal here to acquire a ready-made player, I think more likely than not, maybe uh, you would trade this for a future first. Maybe you'd get a future second as well for a team to be able to draft now rather than having to wait. Because a team like Denver, they want to advance their timeline and maximize it now rather than you know worrying about a, a pick in six years from now if there was a pacers player that you would recommend hey i wouldn't invest in long-term real estate around indianapolis in other words if you're going to move if you're going to have to move a piece to get something back who's the guy that's probably have the moving bands ready <laughs> uh i think one of jalen smith or isaiah jackson do we really need to go through that experiment uh next year uh, as well, or you could also probably throw Daniel Tice in that mix. I'd be stunned, Greg, if all three of those guys are on the Pacers roster to start the season because you already have Miles. There's four bigs. You really like to remove one of those guys at least from the equation and and get a player that's a little bit more versatile out on the wing, can defend, um, and, and it cleans up a little bit what you're doing in the front court and then in the back court. I know teams constantly monitoring Chris Duarte and his status. By the way, it's his 26th birthday today. He's a guy that really Pacers had high hopes for, but just couldn't overcome an injury bug last year. His rookie year, two years ago, defended well, in addition to shooting well, while he was getting a lot of starter minutes. So, um, really, I would say one of the bigs, and maybe it's Duarte in the backcourt that is expendable. Not that they're uh, that they would have to be willing to part with if they're looking to make one of those bigger moves that I was referencing. You think a veteran trade happens before the draft, Scott? I, I would hope so, yeah. And, and by the way, I'm meaning like a day before the sure. 24 hours leading up to the draft because a team that's acquiring these picks will want to know and have a good idea of what players they can get in that slot by making this deal. And if they're not giving up the seven, if it's the 26 and 29, you kind of already know those aren't normally the picks that you need to acquire right before the, or excuse me, right during the draft, right ahead of time, like you do maybe the pick two or three based on who went just above them. Again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, our guest, Greg Rakestraw with you, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. So that's the Pacers perspective. Let's do like everybody else was doing last night. Talking ball, um, your thoughts on the Denver Nuggets now being crowned NBA champions. Yeah, first of all, I love the fact that this is one of those traditional teams going back to the ABA, and they, ABA, and they finally broke through. Um, it's so much fun to see a team celebrate it for the first time. Um, and I think it was the fifth straight year where, we, where the NBA had a different champion. 
So you, you do have a lot of parity right there. Uh, and, of course, I think four of the last five have lost their jobs talking about head coaches. So perhaps that's the other takeaway in all this is, is front offices, as much as you can with ownership, need to be patient, need to invest in the draft like we have just talked for the last 10 minutes here. And you saw the fruits of the labor of not only the Nuggets – being decisive in their decisions, taking some risks, right? Jokic in the in the second round, and Michael Porter Jr. had a laundry list of health issues at Mizzou, came out, his back still bothered him. I think he had like three surgeries here in his short time, and, and he came up big for them last year. And then to put them over the top, what did they go do? They went and got kind of that wing or power forward yeah. in Aaron Gordon in Orlando. So I see that exactly kind of the, the route the Pacers are looking to take. They they brought in a veteran, well-respected coach that was kind of not in a good situation maybe with their previous team. I still don't get why Sacramento moved on from Michael Malone. They drafted well, added the veteran, and then just stayed with it for several years. So that that's what I really like. Anybody in the NBA play the, play the game the way Nikola Jokic does? And generally when you're named the MVP, the answer is no. But but he is so unique in the skill set that he has, in, in in the package that it's all bundled up in. Anyone close to play the game the way he does? No, I can't. I mean, there, there's certain elements of it, certainly, right? Like a big that can pass that well or close could be Devonis Sabonis, for example. Um, Anthony Davis brings the ball up occasionally, just like, uh, and so does Joel Embiid. But no, th- this is uh, truly a unique animal out there and the fact that i think more than anything the fact that he just doesn't look in shape doesn't look like he also though gets tired despite his body build that might be the most fascinating thing but i think his basketball iq stands out to me number one his patience and understanding of the game and then also just how i think he has he offers great perspective like we're so many of these players maybe get caught up in social media or the, the debate shows Jokic truly does not care he did not care for his MVP trophy. He wanted to he wanted to win it. He wanted to win it all for his team, and he wanted to do it for his teammates and for his coaches. But then he was like, "All right, job's done. I want to get back home and just be with my family." And <laughs> I think that is so rare. More perhaps more than anything, Rake, we see from him on the floor. All right, finally, before we let you go, uh, Papa Jones was here for seven years. You served a variety of roles, you know, kind of during that time. Uh, but uh, even for a young cat, you're kind of long in the tooth in, in terms of, of those that are, that are covering the team. Yeah. Um, I, you could see, frankly, the tears and, and, and him saying thank you to Nikola Jokic when they hugged at the end of the game. Your thoughts about Popeye Jones now being an NBA champ? Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you asked. A Murray State product, a guy that you know played in the league for several different teams, and then the Pacers were his second stop, and he kind of – he hung around with several different head coaching changes here and was well-respected, worked with the big. So you got to imagine how much time and effort he spent in with, and put in with, with Jokic, among others, out there. And I think for anyone to win that first title had to be a blast for him. And he was just highly respected. He did his job. Uh, he, he went behind the bench after not being brought back here to Indy, went and did that in Philly. And then said, you know what, here's an opportunity, a, a city in which he played. Yep. I think his sons maybe played hockey or one Correct. of them did or yep. came through there quite often. So you had that situation. So that was really cool. I was happy for Popeye. And then also the other Indiana connection, Jared Jeffries, who's a, a scout for them, was able to celebrate in the locker room with the team. See, I just think about Jared as a professional fisherman. I don't even think about his scouting days uh, <laughs> at, at, at this point. All right, people should know by now, and obviously some of Scott's works appears on 1075thefan.com, Fieldhouse Files. Where should folks go? 
Yeah, that's exactly it. Fieldhouse Files, where uh, I'm posting daily videos from all these interviews, plus stories with both perspective on the team today and some highlight interviews um, from these workouts like Taylor Hendricks and Jarris Walker. Who is left in the dock? You said there's a few more coming up. Do you know all the three off the top of your head? We do not know. Um, the expectation um, is that the Thompson Twins will come through. Um, so those two, I think we know, or at least one of them. Um, and then the other here that would make a lot of sense would be Grady Dick, a, a player, a wing, versatile guy. Um, but that one is not known for sure just yet either. But we don't have one tomorrow, so a bit of a break. Uh, and then the draft's just a week away, yeah. so we're right in it. It comes quickly, doesn't it? All right, my friend, I appreciate the time and the insight. We'll catch up soon. All right, thank you, Rick. Scott Agnes, again, of Fieldhouse Files. I've not heard of this guy. His name is Charles Clifford. He apparently is new at Channel 5 in Cincinnati. Uh, Charles, my name is Greg Rakestraw. How are you, sir? <laughs> Rake, that was – I knew something was coming, and that, <laughs> that, that certainly – uh, that that eclipsed what I so, I expected. How you doing, man? I'm good, brother. Uh, I, I, is it a steady diet of Skyline, UDF, Montgomery? In you, you're working those in on a regular basis down there. Of course, of course. It's it's part of the onboarding process. Uh, you know, one per meal. Skyline at least three times a week. No, it's been it's been great. I miss you guys. I miss David Wood, Todd Meyer, Jimmy. Eddie, obviously Kevin, Jake, yourself, it's just such a great crew over there. And, uh, man, I missed May. That was, uh, that was incredible watching Joseph on TV, but we're, uh, we're doing great. So thanks for looking me up. First of all, if you eat Skyline three times, you're going to start looking like me and nobody wants that. Okay. So, so, you know, <laughs> no, once a week is per- you, you run those Hills and, and, yes. and, and you'll be fine <laughs> on that from it all in all seriousness, you talk about missing May. But that is yeah. something. I mean, let's face it. Okay, our jobs are overly complicated. Um, but 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 there are things that you have to learn on the fly. You know, l- covering the Colts and covering the Bengals are largely interchangeable. Um, but having to follow a Major League Baseball team nightly—that's not been your bailiwick the last four right. and a half years. Right. Because right. of you working at Wish, you're great about talking to me about the Indy Eleven and following the team. But it's a whole different animal when we're talking about Major League Soccer and that and that beautiful stadium at TQL Stadium downtown. So what has the period of adjustment been like for you, you know, kind of picking things up maybe you haven't done before or things that haven't been on your radar as much over the last few years? No, you nailed it with the soccer and baseball. It just does feel new because of that. We just wrapped up first day of Bengals minicamp. And yes, the faces are new, but you kind of, understand how things work this time of the year in the NFL whereas baseball it's just it's different I had never been on a major league beat here and what a time to show up with I'm sure as you've mentioned over the past couple weeks on the fan I mean Reds fans are back on board this city is baseball crazy right now and it's crazy to say this but soccer is trumping everything this summer with this unbeaten home streak you mentioned the stadium. They're selling out every league match. It's it's literally, you know, as close as you can get. I didn't really watch a ton of Lasso. It's on the list. But from what I've been told, hey, worst to first in two years, this is, this is pretty close to the storyline. And so selfishly, it's just been a great time to show up. Everyone's been so welcoming. This is a really good shop. And, um, 
you know, it, it's nice to show up outside of football season too, because once the fall hits, it'll be it'll be all hands on deck. Well, obviously, you and Olivia both been picked up by by Channel Five. <laughs> Are you sending Ken Brew back this way? How, wh- yeah. What's the piece to coming back to Indianapolis in exchange no, for I, you know I two young up and comers? We're working on that, but obviously, you know, Miss AC Ross, Jason, Brian, uh, uh, Angela, the entire Wish crew. I mean, we just had so much fun, and I do need a new soccer expert, though, Ray, because you can you can tell everybody how many times I called you out of the blue, Ray. What, make sense of this for me on the drop of a hat, and you you know you're quicker than Google, as I like to tell people. And uh, I'll always appreciate that, man. Well, first of all, thank you. the Ray Straw equivalent out here. No, for, I'll give you Roman Celentalo's number. He's much better at it than I am. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, you people know exactly what I'm talking good. about. That's the starting yeah. keeper, uh, by the way, for FC Cincinnati, for those that are, that are not in the know. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is, you're reaching like an Eddie White level of name drop uh, on the interview, making sure you're thanking everybody uh, over the course of this interview. And, and, well, and, and it's really true. noticeable. Yeah, no, I... I I do miss Indy. I mean, there's no way to get around that. But as it was apparently obvious when this opportunity came about with my wife being from here, her family's here, I mean, it was just such a gift for for us. And we're going to make the most of it. And the good news is we're right down the road and we're going to have the Colts coming here in the fall. And I know there's a ton of buzz around Richardson. I can't wait to see that work out. I I think the Colts are due for one to bounce their way here after – Gosh, it just felt like for the six years I was on the beat there, it was, it was just one. And I don't need to waste your time with this on, on those airwaves, but everyone knows it, it's, it was just a lot of bad luck that went into some things. So I'm, I'm hoping this, this youngster Richardson can, can be the guy. All right, so with that, let's talk about yeah. the Reds first. Um, because yeah. you get there, then it's Matt McClain, then it's Ellie Dela Cruz. <laughs> and, and again, what, what I noticed – Last week, Ellie shows up. Guess what? People start showing up too. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's it's yep. once again cool to go back to Great American Ballpark, other than opening day. So, what has this madness been like over the course of the last ten days or so? Well, Joe Burrow just took a few minutes, you know, during his the last time we'll hear from him until training camp to signal out Dale Cruz and the energy plays with and the buzz that the Reds are getting, you know, I think he realizes that they're starting to get a little taste of what the Bengals have felt the last two years. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is infectious as people in Indy know when things are going in the right way, you know, a lot of teams can, can use that. And it feels like between football, soccer and baseball right now, I mean, everything's trending in the right direction on De La Cruz though. You've seen it. You've seen the highlights really charming, fun guy in person. He's been relaxed. You have to remember he's the youngest of nine from a family in the Dominican Republic. He's still working on his English. Um, He feels comfortable. And I think the locker room with it being such a young team, if you look at this lineup, I mean, no one is on their second contract. No one is an established everyday guy, at least, you know, heading into this year. It's such a scrappy group that's playing with their heart on their sleeves every night. And I know that's cliche, but that's what's winning this team ball games right now. You saw it again last night in Kansas city, the base paths have been just a complete difference maker and Dale Cruz of all his tools. I mean, just bringing speed back to baseball. That's what, that's what Rob Manford wants. That's this. He is a perfect star right now to show up and it's a perfect market to do it. Cause since he's been, 
been thirsty for some baseball, you know, positive news here. And, and they just got it. And there's more to come. There's a couple more kids that are going to come up this year. And there's no reason this team can't win, can't win the NL Central. There's just nothing on paper that says that's going to be impossible. I'll, I'll make the Pacers slash Reds comparison. But let me say, frankly, the Pacers have had greater success more recently than the Reds have. But I do right. think there is a comparison. You know, when Pacers fans, in the expectations are down, if the team plays hard and does better than expected, man, fans are happy. And that's yep. kind of exactly where the Reds are right now, don't you think? I think you're a thousand percent on the on the money there. You know, look, Indy, it was a hoops town before it was a football town. Cincy, big red machine were cooking long before the Bengals were making headlines and things have reversed, granted nationally. That's just how the world works now with the NFL's supreme reign on, on all of us. But you're totally right. I love those two comparisons. And, you know, when expectations are low, as a fan, you really can't get hurt. You know, those heartbreaking losses aren't going uh, to be as sharp, at least early in the year. I do think if, if they get in contention late, uh, obviously that's just different when you're losing tough games in September and into October, hopefully. But, yeah, just – just a great young crew, and David Bell deserves some credit. I mean, he's he's been under heat. You know, he didn't have much to work with, and now he's getting some pieces, and they're playing well. So, huge credit to him. I don't think he's gotten enough credit yet. Again, Charlie Clifford, formerly of Wish TV in this radio station. These days, WLWT, NBC5 in Cincinnati. Joining us here, Greg Rakestraw, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have you had a chance to catch up with Roman Celentano and or Ray Gaddis, the two local ties to FC Cincinnati just yet? Not one-on-one. We've talked, you know, we normally get a player or two for each training session. We've gotten comment from Celentano. I think he's up to, what, eight clean sheets now. So he is very popular. Obviously, their forwards they have here, they've turned in some of the more ridiculous goals you're going to see anywhere in soccer this year just over the past week. I think they've landed in Sports Center's top couple plays twice now. Um, but Pat Noon and the, the coach, really good guy and really fun. Um, his kids are around at practice. It's a very family-friendly organization. And it's, you know, as people have told me here, hey, two years ago you could buy a seat in the last row and sneak down to the first row and no one would really care. And now it's it's just hard to get in there, which is, uh, you know, it's it's new for this town too. And I hope – with the 11 stadium plans coming along that Indy's not far behind. For those that don't follow Major League Soccer, and even I, there are some guys who are talking about MLS that go, oh yeah, i got to remember about this guy. Um, <laughs> but, but once you kind of get to that national team level, even the casual fan tends to have a better idea of who you are. So I led with starting goalkeeper, IU. Yep. Backline veteran, Ray Gaddis. He played his soccer at North Central and grew up playing at Tab uh, right. you know, at 34th right. and Central. But a guy that didn't have a local tie, but is probably a name that a lot of people are talking about on a regular basis, is Brandon Vasquez. What's yeah. it been like watching him ply his craft? He's good. I think that, you know, look, people have been a little hot and cold on him of late, but yesterday he just got called up to the Gold Cup team. It looks like he's going to miss a couple matches later in the summer. I think he plays with incredible you know spirit every night you can tell you don't you don't run off 40 points in major league soccer through 17 matches without having everyone with their their pedal to the metal so now the question is they're finally getting a little break 
can you can you avoid that? Oh, we peaked too early. You know, we played all these extra open cup matches. Will that creep in and, and slow this team down? They just made a big signing with Aaron Bapenza. He's going to come over in early July to help the the offense here in the second half of the season. So. I don't know, Rake. You're the expert. You tell me who's standing in Cincinnati's way that this lead in the East is, you know, significant this early in the season. You're in good shape. Uh, you know, don't worry about it because your early concern is, is, <laughs> is making the playoffs. The supporter Shield is nice. You want to make sure you're playing good soccer by the time you, you get to October, and obviously things can change. Um, but but since we're talking about upcoming schedules, yeah. um, it is looking like Lionel Messi. If it's not an August 20th debut for Inter-Miami, which would be at home, which you would think that's likely where he starts. Right. The next time he could be in a lineup would be the Open Cup at TQL <laughs> Stadium. Um, have you started to wrap your head around Messi mania coming uh, to the Queen City? No. We're going to stack it up against Taylor Swift mania because that's at the end of the month, and the Reds just announced today they're changing the start time of their game that night <laughs> to deal with – Quote, uh, you know, transportation and logistical issues right. that are going to arrive with Swift. So one thing at a time, first Swift, then Messi, uh, then, you know, some of these premier home games with, with Buffalo coming back on a Sunday night football game uh, in early in the season. But, no, you're right. That will be a, a international ticket market. We're trying to get that across. The team has not yet released – exactly how those tickets are going to be dispersed sounds like season ticket holders will have a shot to claim theirs but that that will be unprecedented in terms of i mean if it's his first road game in the states yeah uh with this cup you know semifinal on the line that's going to be a crazy ticket and just a really fun week for what it's worth, and again, your focus is on Cincinnati, not Miami. Uh, Miami has four matches slated in August. Again, there's the League's Cup event between them and Liga Emekis. So Lord knows how long that's going to go on. <laughs> Miami's got four matches in 10 days. Okay, The second yep. one is Cincinnati. Just, just, for those of you in the ticket market, Jimmy Cook, just filing that away uh, that, that is on that front. Final thing, I'll bring it back to the conversation you were just a part of with yeah. Joe Burrow. Because um, mm-hmm. literally, as, we're, as you and I are chatting, I, I see kind of a tweet fly by from Pro Football Talk. Joe Burrow not discussing contract just yet. Yeah. What sort of money is Joe Burrow looking at on his next deal? Well, he's hinted that, look, T. Higgins is up. Jamar Chase is up. These three have all been on the same page. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to break this up. We think there's a way where, and it begins with how Joe is structured this summer, I, I, to your point, it's it's everything starts now with the guaranteed money, right? So he'll be up there with Hertz. Uh, I I don't have a specific number in mind, but all I know is from everything I've heard in the early going from his teammates and just being around him in person, this is not a mirage. This young developing star quarterback is about winning, and I think that he could take a, a slight page out of Tom Brady's playbook and and make sure that the weapons that make this team, you know, elite in the AFC don't have to go looking elsewhere to, you know, to, to make that decision for their family. I, I would be optimistic if I'm a Bengals fan that, 
they're going to be able to keep those three guys together. And um, I know in Indy, shoot, they made the right decisions with Marvin and, and Reggie, and you saw what happened there. So I, I think there's a pretty pretty easy blueprint not far down the road from the Queen City to look back you know, a decade and a half ago and, and realize, okay, let's let, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot here let's let's find a way to figure that out and and so there, there's a long-winded answer but he has been very closed off he does not want to talk about developments you know what he wants in there um behind closed doors and i think you know you can respect that That's, uh, he's earned that right certainly all right I, I can get skyline and, and graders here um so if <laughs> yes, you can I send know, some right. roses some udf some montgomery in, and probably some willie sports bar this direction maybe a case of who to pull to light might be the way to go um <laughs> if i needed to send stuff back down i-74 in trade what do i need to send from marion canada to make you feel more like your second stomping grounds in indianapolis this is very simple as many, and I mean as many, Keystone Sports Review hot wings that you can fit in one container, that would be that would be beyond appreciated, and I'll airdrop that. Your order down at the circle should be there uh, by the time it shows up. Now, there. just so you know, KSR is temporarily <laughs> closed because they're moving locations. You're so, kidding So you, It's okay. They're going to reopen, I think, later this month or at some point in time in July because they are moving to the old birdies location at 71st and Keystone. So you're not the only person Jones for the KSR wings. But well, they, I'm calling Schultz. He's got a all hands on deck here. A month, a month of no KSR. That's, that's four weeks too long. I'm going to have to get Schultz. I've noticed, this, uh, I've noticed the beard is not growing back as quickly for Schultz as he would like. It. That's probably <laughs> the reason why uh, is the lack of, of, of wing, uh, wing travel, so to speak. My friend, it's good to catch up with you. I'm, I'm happy things are going so well for you in Cincinnati. Don't be a stranger. All right. I know you got a break, Rake. I, I really appreciate everything you did for me. All the knowledge and easy, quick tidbits. I'll, I'll never forget that. So, miss you guys and have a great rest of the week, right? You got it, brother. Charlie Clifford joining us again these days of WLWT.